are you? How the heck are you? I'm going to do a podcast. So let's get a little deeper into your story, shall we? Who are you? Oh, that. that becomes a sticky wicket. <laughs> you know, what's your juice? <laughs> let's get back on track. You've got a lot of things to come out. What is it that you're curious about? Like, let's crumble up some falafel for you. Boom, 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 boom. It's been a whirlwind for you. What is it that supercharges you about this? Lots going on, lots coming up. Or is that too many stuff? Did I ask too many questions? No, not too many questions. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Drop the Mic, the Chamber podcast. I'm Mo Beliveau, uh, Executive Director of the Chamber. Um, our podcast is the place where I get to chat with uh, local business owners, chamber members, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, overall people of interest, and we get to know who they are, what they do, and why they do it. Before we get started, I have a few things that I would like to say to East Hampton Media, which is a big fat thank you. Thank you for your partnership on this project. Um, in particular, I thank Jeff Mastriani, um, executive director over here at E-Media, uh, Jackson Foote, who is our production coordinator, and Tim Riley, operations manager. I thank you all. You make us look fabulous and sound terrific every single time. Um, so, today's guest for episode five, we have with us Kate Reagan. She is a graduate of Smith College. Kate has been lending in the Valley since 1996 with over 25 years of experience in that role. Um, she has also um, had experiences with a national mortgage company, um, a mortgage broker, mm -hmm. as well as a local bank. Mm -hmm. Kate is currently branch manager at Guild Mortgage here in East Hampton, and Kate is also currently on the board of directors, and she has most recently served as a past president, yes. which was wonderful and lovely. Yes, we had a great time working together. Indeed we did. Yes. And so welcome, Kate. Thank you. Here we Thank are. You. Um, let's dive right in, shall we? Absolutely. How the heck are you? I am good. Good. I am good. It's a good day. It's a beautiful day. It's a little cold, but, you know, little people at my house are excited about the prospect of snow in the overnight hours. This evening? Yes. Snow? Yes. You're a sunshine gal, aren't you? I am a sunshine that gal. That is the gist I get from you. I'm kind of also a four seasons gal. Like, I really like all four seasons. Not, Do you? I wouldn't say equally, but okay. I like them all. I was going to say, because winter, for some reason, yeah. has uh, not registered on that scale when I think of you. Yeah. Well, I guess, I, you know, one of the things about having young children is they push your comfort zone. Uh, so, for example, my kids have gotten me out snow tubing Okay, that I don't. of years. That I don't see either. <laughs> yeah. Horseback riding in the winter. Oh. Interesting. Um, and then, Lovely. of course, there's all sorts of other fun things that you can do in the winter. Ice skating, roller skating, yes. swimming indoors, of course. Water parks you know, that are indoors. Funny thing you should mention roller skating. I used to love to roller skate when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And just recently, you know, searching around on YouTube, my husband and I found this. There's, I think it's in um, Atlanta, Georgia. And there's this really funky, cool roller rink. And these people are doing the most amazing things on roller skates. Mm -hmm. 
it's amazing. I'm what like, they're heavy. Can do. They're heavy. It's not yeah. like ice skates yeah. that you don't know are there. Yeah. Until you twist your ankle. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you can absolutely like get your feet yeah. all tangled up in them. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, so, but anyways, I used to love to do that. So that's very funny. As did I. So like, do you remember the metal ones that would clip onto your sneakers in the 70s? No. Those were real ankle breakers, but we loved them as kids uh-huh. because that was something you had access to every day. Yes. You know? Roller skating in the streets, down the sidewalk. Yes, yes, yes. Across the driveway, Until whatever you hit a it was. pine cone. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you had demolished knees. And <laughs> demolished knees for sure. <laughs> yep. So um, let's get started right off the bat. Can you give us a little bit of background? Who are you? Yeah, I love that you start with the big existential question. I know. Who am I? Who am I? You know, when I think of myself as a mortgage lender. Mm. I am somebody who loves to solve problems. Mm. So, you know, I had a client recently say to me that there was a little bit of something almost, you know, sort of risky in the way that I like to work, Uh which is that when another lending institution says, no, that's not possible, nope, can't be done, my response is generally, watch me. Ah. Lay down the smack. Yeah. You know, you don't think of mortgage lending, you think of that as sort of dry, and Mm. you think of it as something where it's very regimented, and in some ways that it it is. But when you are somebody who likes to understand all of the rules and how you can work them together, you can solve problems that other people can't. Mm. And one of the things that I love about my team at Guild is I work with a whole bunch of people, both in our East Hampton office and also within our company, um, which is actually a national company Mm -hmm. at this point. It's in 49 states mm-hmm. um, that I work with a team of people who are like, yeah, let's do the deals that other people won't necessarily do. Mm-hmm. And that could be, you know, funky things about the property, mm-hmm. for example. So I have a loan right now for somebody who is buying a condominium where there is more commercial influence than what is typically allowed. So my first. What does that mean? More wh- commercial influence? Com- more commercial influence, meaning that there's storefronts. On the first floor. Oh, okay. And condominiums above. Oh, neat. Residential condominiums above, to be clear. And so there are particular rules about how much of the square footage can be commercially used and how much of it has to be residential in order for it to be approvable. Mm -hmm. So, of course, when I realized that this is not within the guidelines, my first question is, well, can we get an exception on that? Mm -hmm. And we were able to successfully get an exception on that. Oh, okay. So we actually go to Fannie Mae or go to Freddie Mac and ask them for permission because this condominium has all sorts of good attributes and we just document the heck out of it Mm -hmm. and say, this is why we want an exception. Will you please grant it? And they did. So that's, you know what, it's interesting because I, as a potential buyer here Mm -hmm. or there, Mm -hmm. you know, I would never stop to think that that would be some, a question that you could ask. Sure. Right. And what's the worst anybody's going to say? Right. No. So exactly. And they're going to say no. And for that, this applicant, when she came to me, she had, you know, been pre-approved by another lender and she said, well, here's the property I want to buy. And they said, oh yeah, no, no. Mm. And I looked at it and I said, well, yeah, that could be a challenge. But here are possible choices. Our choices are let's document the heck out of it Mm. and ask for an exception. And if we can't do that, then there are broker channels that we can use where that is an acceptable type of property in these broker channels. So it also sounds like um, not only are you ready for a challenge, 
But you're also ready to do the work that might surround that challenge. That's correct. And not everyone is. No. Not everyone is. Because it's work. Right, because it is work. And also because it takes understanding how to evaluate the situation um, and say, is this possible? Is this wise? Does this fit into sort of the bigger picture of lending? Or, you know, and and is it like in this situation, it was one little thing that didn't meet the guidelines. Mm -hmm. When you have one little thing that doesn't meet the guidelines... Mm. that's certainly a case where an exception may be granted. Mm. When you have a whole lot of things that don't meet the guidelines, that's entirely different. Or if the risk is too great on a property. So for example, had this been a property, like if you think about Florida and you think about like timeshare type properties, Mm -hmm. that never would have happened. I wouldn't even attempt that. Mm -hmm. But something like this, where it's just a minor change Mm -hmm. in the allowable square footage, Mm -hmm. that's absolutely worth going to bat over. Mm -hmm. And so I'm willing to go to bat in Mm -hmm. situations where other people say, oh no, that's not for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So besides that willingness to go to bat sure. for your clients, clients yeah. um, what other area would you consider yourself to be an expert? I deeply understand the mortgage guidelines. Oh, you know? I like so the way you say that. If, if somebody has a situation that, I mean, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to take somebody's real life and put it inside this very ordinary box of guidelines. Mm-hmm. And so real life doesn't always fit neatly inside the boxes. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes what we have to do is sort of separate out the information in order to figure out how might we qualify someone mm-hmm. and get them inside these like, you know, convenient, neat little boxes, mm-hmm. even if life doesn't go that way. So, for example, I have a customer right now who is on the verge of retiring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a gentleman in his 70s, mm. and he's been working for a long time mm. um, because we know he's about to retire and his income will not be ongoing. We wouldn't qualify him with that income. Mm-hmm. However, because he is of retirement age and he has retirement assets that we have saved, we can he has saved, we can use a formula to look at those assets and say, well, when his work ends his retirement kicks in Mm -hmm. and his retirement is his own savings. So we can use his assets as income Mm -hmm. and qualify him for his loan that way. Mm -hmm. So that's the type of thing where when you have a deep understanding of the guidelines, Mm -hmm. you can take somebody's real life transition Mm -hmm. and figure out how do we still get them a mortgage, even if at first pass somebody would say, oh, you're about to retire. Sorry, no. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So having such a deep understanding Mm -hmm. seems to me like it opens up a wider palette for creativity. Exactly. Because you need to know the rules yeah. in order to learn how to work within the rules. Yeah, yeah. Or figure out how to separate the information in a way where you can find the path that that complies with the rules, even if it's not necessarily the original presentation. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you wouldn't think mortgage lending and creativity go together. No. But they really do. No, they and, really I, do. and I, I find it really interesting when I listen to you talk is your... Um, delight and passion around how Mm -hmm. you are able to connect those things, you know, mortgage, you know, lending Mm -hmm. and creativity. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's interesting. I I, I just, I find it inspiring. It's a service too. You know, if you think about it, you know, it's a service to my clients Mm -hmm. is to serve them well, to figure out what is it that they need and how do I help them achieve what, what it is that they need. Right. 
You know, and so for some people, that's this creativity piece. For some people, it's how do I help them access down payment assistance, for example, or how do I access, help them access resources that are out in the community that they might not know about. Mm -hmm. Or for some people who are really starting at a place where they need help with credit improvement, for example. How do I help connect them to resources where they can get some um, education yeah. on how do they improve their credit? Or right. how can I educate them in a way where they can take some steps yeah. that will get them in a position where they can buy, if not now, then in three months or six months or in 12 months or whatever their time frame might be. Right. Helping them to add some tools to their toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, what's the best part of what you do? What's your favorite piece well, of your role? I guess there's a couple pieces. You, I mean, I've already said that it, one of it is the, the watch me piece where yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. says no and I get to say, oh yes, there's a path. Let me show you what this path is going to look like. But there is something particularly delightful. I have a funny feeling that kind of expands into yeah. other areas of your life as well. Yeah, <laughs> but there's something particularly delightful about helping people buy a home who think for some reason that they can't. Whether it's, you know, they haven't had a chance to save, so they don't have a substantial down payment. Mm. Um, sometimes I have people come to me and say things like, well, I'm not sure if I can get a loan because I'm, and then they sort of fill in the blank with, you know, I'm a single woman, for mm. example. Mm. Or, you know, I'm, you know, 85 years old. How could I possibly get a mortgage? You know, and right. so there's, you know, equal credit opportunities. So there are rules around that where lenders have a duty to lend to everybody who is eligible mm -hmm. who's, as long as they're 18 or older. So we can't discriminate on, on the basis of age, mm. you know, and that's a common misperception. Right. Um, we don't discriminate on the basis of marital status mm. or gender or you right. know, any other um, particular attribute. And so I think for me, helping people be empowered to say, to come in, they come to me and they say, I don't know if I can. And to, for me to coach them and guide them and help them understand, oh, yes, you can. And let's get you there. Right. And so one of my great joys is see, seeing people at the finish line, you know, standing yeah. on the doorstep with the key in their mm. hand, usually holding their realtor sold sign right. of some sort to know that we help them change their lives, mm -hmm. you know, and so it's not just the housing, it's also, you know, this is how people build wealth over mm -hmm. the course of their lifetime. This is how people stabilize families. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is how people change neighborhoods and communities, mm -hmm. you know, and so I've been part of the story for a lot of people helping them change their lives and the lives of their children, the lives of their communities, mm -hmm. and that really speaks to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's the worst part of your job that you'd rather avoid? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's a part of it that I would like to avoid, but, you know, there are, you know, moments where things don't go as planned, you know, so mm. the thing about real estate <laughs> is that there are so all sorts of areas that are not in my control. Right. right. So there are, you know, we can do a great job on the lending side and there's something wonky about the property that just can't get resolved. Mm -hmm. You know, whether that's a title issue, mm -hmm. you know, that's a legal issue or whether that's a, you know, a physical issue on the property. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are occasionally where people don't take the coaching and the guidance mm -hmm. that we give, you know, somebody who decides to run out and buy a bunch of furniture right before closing to furnish their new home so they take on new debt <gasps> that they can't then withstand the payments on and then don't qualify. Really? That, that doesn't happen often. Because oh my we, God, I've we, never heard of such a thing. We tell them from day one, don't open any new debt, any new accounts, but occasionally will, people will, will disregard our advice. Mm -hmm. Or somebody will give notice on their job before they're closing. Oops. Yeah. 
whoops, you know, ah. and when we tell them, you know, again, repeatedly in writing, verbally, et cetera, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, and people do it anyway. Um, and so I, that, all, I, I always am, yeah, I'm always upset by the moments where there are things that I cannot fix, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're somebody who likes to be a fixer mm-hmm. and likes to like solve puzzles and mm-hmm. make things work mm-hmm. when you can't solve it and you can't make it work, mm-hmm. that's upsetting to me. Mm-hmm. I don't like those moments. Mm-hmm. They don't happen often, but when they do, they they hurt. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. They really do. I get it. Yep. What's the best business advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> that's a great question. It's a really great question, and my answer is such a simple one. I don't you know, remember, know if you remember the Nike campaign of Just to Do mm-hmm. It. Well, I have a district manager who is a, he's a sports guy, and that's just who he is. And a couple years back, he said to me, you know, not exactly those words, just do it, but what he said is, you know, we talk about writing loans. He was like, Kate, just write them. Just write them. You know what you're doing. Just write the loans. Yeah. We'll take care of the rest because I have this wonderful operations team, both in my office in East Hampton and externally right. you know, in other parts of the state that support my work. So just write them and everything else will be fine. And as much as that's a simple piece of advice, yeah. it's the just do it. Be bold, right? Yeah. Make the call. Yeah. Go chase the deal. Yeah. Go chase the referral partner. Make the relationship and we will take care of everything else. Um, it was almost just blanket permission to nice. go do what I need to do right. um, in order to go out and serve my community. Oh. And um, profound and really brief. Yeah. Just do it. And do you have to remind yourself that? Frequ- some, some days. Yeah. Some days. You know, there are days where um, the hardest thing about the day is to keep your spirits elevated. Yeah. And your, can- and your can-do spirit alive. Yes. You know, and I think that's for everyone. <laughs> yes. Um, and so there are days where I have to think back and say, okay. You know, you can do this. Right. Just do it. Yeah. I it. It, I can totally relate to that because I tend to be optimistic mm-hmm. pretty much most of the time. Mm-hmm. But there are the days mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, God, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, where the challenge, whatever it is, seems insurmountable. <clears throat> and you have to just do what it takes. Yeah. To get yourself back in the mindset of just do it. Right. You know, and for me, that may be an early morning workout. That may be some great music to start the day. You know, that may be plugging in my headset and just, you know, rocking out for a little while while I'm doing other tasks Mm -hmm. um, to get myself on the right vibe to continue to do what I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's the worst advice you've ever gotten? The good news is... I figured out how to block out the bad advice. So interesting because I ask a lot of people that question. Yeah. And most folks are kind of stumped. They're like, no. Um, You know, there are plenty of people who want to comment. Yeah. Um, And I I believe very strongly in only taking criticism from somebody that you would take advice from. And so if if the person is someone who's close to me and they have something that they need to share with me, I want to hear that. Mm-hmm. But if there are people who are not close to me, who are, don't understand me or don't understand my business, and they want to make sort of blanket generalizations, I just walk away with that one. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think about, um, you know, in my industry, there's a lot of recruiting, 
right? So there are people who work for other lending institutions who want to employ me. Mm. And so they'll come to me looking to employ me. It's not the same the way with other jobs where you apply to them. Right. It's more the opposite where they come to you. And I had a gentleman say, you know, oh, you know, what's your, your market? And I was like, well, Western Massachusetts. And then I have to describe where that is. And, you know, his first one, he was like, oh, well, that's just kind of like low cost, low loan amount areas. I'm like, oh wow! I haven't heard anybody say that since the n- mid '90s. They sort of especially he sort of, about this area. Yeah, he sort of just wrote it off instantaneously. I'm like, wow! All other efforts for your organization attempting to hire me are now done. Because if you are the person I would report to, and that's how you perceive my area, right. and you don't know actually anything right. about it. Right. I don't have time for that. Right. You know, because we live in this beautiful, vibrant, interesting, educated, eclectic community that has a lot of great things going for it. And so somebody who's going to have, you know, make a blanket generalization is not someone I want right. to associate with. So that's right. just an example of the types of things that I hear. Right. And just kind of let them go. Are you, are you good at, you know, sometimes um, do you feel that you're good at? Sometimes, um, I hate to sound the, the Sounds a little harsh, but sometimes you have to fire the customer, but not fire the customer necessarily, but mm-hmm. like giving yourself permission to say no, thank you. I have a tendency to give myself permission to say no, thank you, but usually in a very quiet kind of way. Yeah, well, and like, I don't necessarily hear... mean clients no, per no, se, no. but I mean like, no. th- like which is just like, like talking this about. type of person who who's making a blanket generalization where I'm going to be very polite to him, mm. but he's never going to get my attention again. Mm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, he had mm-hmm. a, a moment where he maybe could have captured my attention. Mm. And it's gone. And he squandered it. He squandered it. <laughs> yeah. You know, by by judging my community. Mm-hmm. You know, so those are the types of folks where I will very politely um, disengage myself. Nice. That's it. Just That's, a polite I like disengagement. That. I like that term. Because I need to protect. Disengaged. Yes. Well, I just, I need it's to. It's a pro- disengage button. It's like I need to protect my Happiness, mm. right? My can-do spirit, mm-hmm. my mm. desire and drive, grit. my grit, my tenacity. I need to protect those things. Mm. And so people who subtract from that mm. have no place in my world. Mm. So you, do you feel you're good at setting boundaries, I, I guess? I try. Right? It's an ongoing, that's yeah. an ongoing thing, right? right? I mean, you're setting boundaries on a regular basis right. about who you let in and who mm-hmm. you keep at a distance. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So, um, what is one of your biggest, you know, as your as the branch manager um, at Guild? Mm-hmm. Um, what is one of your biggest business challenges? You know, that's a really great great question about what are the business challenges because the business challenges in real estate change every day. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we have teams, right? So we have teams of people who work behind the scenes, the operations folks. There's teams that you work with on every transaction, and that's your borrower, your real estate agents, your attorneys, your <coughs> insurance agents, your home inspectors. I mean, there's a variety of folks who work together. So you have these teams that you're working with. And I think the hardest part sometimes is to get everybody a very timely answer to what they need when you have a lot of different teams that you're Mm -hmm. part of. Mm -hmm. So I'm part of my branch team. I'm part of this bigger organization. Mm -hmm. I'm part of the team on each of these transactions. And then I have my referral partners that I want to make sure Mm -hmm. that if they need me, that they're getting what they need from me. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's challenging to be what I need to be for each group or each team all at the same time. Because 
one of the fun things about real estate is it always happens all at once. Right. So, for example, you can say, hmm, it's been a very quiet morning. And then all of a sudden, the afternoon will just explode with mm. people's you know, desire to make contact or need to follow up on things. Mm-hmm. And so you can go from like, you know, sort of slow to wild. In, right. You know. Just the flip of, of the clock. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, that's always a challenge is to try and, you know, manage all those different demands. Right. Yeah. If there was um, something, all right, I'm going to hold that, hold that thought, Mo. I'm going to okay. get back. How are the challenges that you're experiencing now different from when you were when, during COVID, like during lockdown and yeah. stuff? Yeah. So, you know, many people work from home during lockdown. We chose um, to work in our branch because there was just a few of us. And so we were our own little pod. And so during COVID, we were exceptionally busy because as you probably recall, the housing market really took off. Right. um, Because people were leaving cities, leaving apartments, leaving sort of communal spaces and wanting to spread out and buy. And, Mm. you know, Western Mass was a huge destination for folks who wanted to spread out and buy. So we were wildly busy. Um, you know, in our own little pod yeah. in the office. And so things have kind of shifted from there where um, the market has shifted a bit. As you probably know, mar- interest rates are up. Right. And you how know? is that? Is that is it? So has that affected things drastically? Are you like now people are like, Ugh. well, or, so I think well, there are many people. Or is that going to be like a trickle? Well, it's, it's, it's hard to lag. say what it's going to do. But I think Time what lag. people are seeing is there are people that are interested in buying who are maybe disappointed that they haven't been able to buy yet, that they were outbid and outnumbered on every house that they tried, you know, that, you know, that they, every house that they bid on, there were 16 offers and they right. just weren't the one, the winning one, you know, and so what we're seeing is a little bit of a slowdown. So instead of 16 offers, maybe there's six offers on a house. Mm. So your likelihood of getting a house is maybe higher. Mm-hmm. Um, the likelihood that you're going to have to way overpay to get it seems to be lower. So people are paying a little bit less. It's but it's going to cost market. you a little more. It may cost you a little bit more in the interest rate, but by reducing the price, because mm. you're not overpaying so much, right. what you're actually coming up with is a monthly expense that's about the same. Mm-hmm. And so getting that message out to people oh. who are want to be Interesting. home buyers, See, I didn't realize that. but haven't purchased anything and are maybe disappointed or discouraged mm. in this market, there really are still ways for them to buy and be comfortable with the payments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I find is I'm you know, helping people understand those pieces mm-hmm. more now than I was during COVID, for mm-hmm. example. Uh, people are concerned about, you know, interest rates because, of course, we have this sort of whiplash feel where rates went from, you know, threes to sevens, what feels like overnight. You know, it was over maybe a six-month period, mm-hmm. but they've been just, you know, rising. And what people are having a hard time understanding is that seven is normal and three is the abnormal. Ah, you know, yep. the three of those are rates we had never seen before. Mm-hmm. But because we saw them consistently for about two years, that was the new normal. And so going back to what is really normal has right. been that. Freaks whip- everybody out. Yeah, it's this whiplash experience where people are like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. You and know, what? what happens to the payment? Um, and so, you know, it, it's hard for people to sort of keep that 7%-ish interest rate land in mind that mm. that is typical. Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing is, in my opinion, what's more important is that you buy a house when the time is right for you Mm. in your life. Right. And that's, you know, job stability, income stability, familial stability, (laughs) whatever it might be, where it's the right time for you. And people don't time a purchase based on interest rates. The rates are what they are at the time that you buy. And if you buy when you feel like rates are higher than they could be or should be, 
you just have to remind yourself you're a candidate for refinancing. Mm-hmm. You know, I know from my own experience. There's a tool to remedy that. Exactly. Yeah. I know from my own experience, you know, when I bought my first house in 2000, I shopped hard to get 8% interest. Hard. And then, you know, a couple of years later when rates came down, I refinanced at 7. Mm-hmm. And then I refinanced yeah. again at 5.75. Yeah. And then I told myself, no more. Right. Because I knew I intended to sell. And right. the point of refinancing is that you're going to save money on a monthly basis. So you have to have longevity in the property in yeah. order for refinancing to make sense. Yeah. And I knew that I didn't have longevity in the property. And so refinancing would not make further sense for me. Ah. At yep. that point, yeah. But you know, that's the type of decision that when somebody can look at it, sort of with the sort of detached eye, and say, "I can make these payments. I'm comfortable with these payments, regardless of what the rate is," and say, "Those payments, I'm comfortable. I can do yep. this." Yeah. And then you know, if it gets better over time, fantastic. Right. I can remember on our first home, we did we played that mm-hmm. game a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a couple of times, and then we were. Yeah, and then, and then decided we decided you were East, done. Yeah. yeah, then you moved. Yeah, right, exactly. You know, and so the folks who bought with interest rates of three percent are going to not want to give those up. So those are those folks are probably going to stay in those homes as long as they can, as yeah. long as it fits their family and fits their life. Right. Um, but for the folks who are buying with these, you know, higher rates, you know, they just need to understand that they're likely a candidate for refinancing at some point down the line. Right. You know, so one of the things I love about Guild is Guild has come out very proactively about that and said, you know, that people who buy between, you know, October of 2022 and I believe it's July of 2023, we're going to email a certificate after closing that says, if you come back to us in the next three years for a refinance, we're going to waive the lender fees for you. And so the lender fees, I mean, ballpark is probably awesome. somewhere in the like twelve to $1,500 range. Right. So you're going to have some savings there if yep. you come back and refinance in the next sure. couple of years, which kind of, I think, mitigates the fear that people have about, you know, buying now and then, you know, but if, you know, it's going to cost them money to refinance down the line. Oh, I think that's so line. smart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we like about Guild is Guild is very forward thinking. Guild also services 95% of the loans that we make. Mm -hmm. And so we keep people in our portfolio. Mm -hmm. And so we're able to keep sort of in good touch, Mm -hmm. you know, between our customer service folks, as well as the branch staff that helped um, originate the loan in the first place. Is that different for you at this moment in time? It is. Because that's not, most do you like times, that better? I, I would do. Think. Most times your personality. when you work for like a non-depository lender mm. or, you know, a mortgage company instead of a bank, typically the servicing will get transferred yep. to a servicing company. Yep. Whereas we are both the originator and the servicing company. Mm. And so it feels like a customer for life strategy, right. which I really like because that's how I operate. Right. And so that aligns really well with who I am oh, and the work nice. that I do. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. So I don't mean to jump back and forth, but Please. I want to get back to so um, a little bit more on your on the personal of yeah. you. The who am I? Yeah. The who are you? The I want big to existential question. Yeah, I want to know yeah. a little bit more about <clears throat> uh, what you've been up to up until Guild. Sure. You know, give me the history. Yeah, a little bit of history. So I'm sorry that we're kind of bouncing around. No, that's fine. So, I mean, who am I? I am the child of two educators. Oh, yeah. That makes kind of sense to me. It does make sense. And so, you know, I find that sometimes that comes out when I talk to customers where I want to explain things because my mother was a teacher, you know, and that's how I know how to communicate information. And interestingly enough, my father's in finance. So he was a school business manager. Oh. 
So interestingly enough, my parents' two careers in right. some ways are both sort of represented in me. Yeah. Um, I'm also a middle child. And so what's interesting about being a middle child is that you can lead and you can follow. Oh. And you can be kind of equally comfortable with either one. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of find that I am able to do either one comfortably, effortlessly. Mm-hmm. So depending on who I'm working with, right. I can lead. I can follow. Yeah. Whatever. Right. Your choice. Right. <laughs> you know? Nice. And so I think that that has worked out well, you know, when it comes to my, you know, my professional life. Right. Um, who am I? Yeah. You know, you mentioned that I'm a Smith College graduate. Yes. You know, I'm very proud of that. And it's funny, Smith mm-hmm. ladies, we uh, we mention each other and we call that out very quickly. So, you know, if somebody finds that in my bio and they say, oh, hey, I'm Smith class of right. whatever it might be. Yep. Um, and so that Smith sisterhood is, you know, very much alive and well. Yes. Um, I'm also a graduate of the Williston Northampton School in East Hampton. There you go. Yes. Um, somehow where you went to high school doesn't come out quite as often in no. your professional life. But no, but I did know that so yeah. I, I'm sorry that I missed that no but no yes. no but so I'm also a graduate of Williston so I would say I am locally educated yep. you know I've lived in the valley since I was 13 years mm-hmm. old um, you know brief foray where I went off to college and uh, <laughs> made a smashing mistake on my first college choice I uh went in you know the first week of September and by Columbus Day weekend I was like oh I've made a terrible mistake oh but some kids drop out in that moment Mm -hmm. but I didn't drop out what I decided to do instead was to get the best grades I possibly could so that I could transfer to the school of my choice Mm -hmm. and so I got you know rocking good grades good um, and transferred to Smith as a sophomore so I came into Smith as a sophomore nice and um, decided that of course the majors that they had were all great, but none of them quite fit me quite right. Mm-hmm. So I decided to create my own major, which nice. very few people did. So which is what? Social policy. Shut so up. I didn't I, know that. I created my own Interesting. major. Interesting. So it was a combination of education, economics, sociology, and government courses. And I had a minor in urban studies. Stop it right now. Yes. I did not know that about you. Yes. Well, Very these cool. were the things that interested me. Uh-huh. But so it was an interesting process where I had to get, you know, an advisor to sign on from each of these disciplines. And, you know, I had to do all of these sort of administrative tasks in order to create my own major. Mm-hmm. I had to go before a board and present all this information. Um, which was a good exercise. Which was. Who knew this was training for my later life? Right. To ask for exceptions and have them right. granted. Right. Right. Yep. Um, so I lived on campus for two years. I moved off campus, which Smith generally doesn't allow, but my life circumstances allowed them to make an exception for nice. me to live off campus. And then, you know, it was one of those things where after I graduated, like many people, I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. Right. You know, and in 1995, when I graduated from Smith, there were no jobs to be had. Right. The economy was such where it was very challenging. And so I took just an entry level position that I was able to get. And, um, Um, You know, I had somebody who I knew who reached out to me and said, you would be a great assistant. I work in mortgage banking. I need an assistant. You need a job. Right. Um, Let's talk. Nice. And we did. And so it was a conversation that, you know, included the like, will you please, you know, promise me you'll stay for at least a year if we decide to do this because there's a lot to learn. I stayed for 14 Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah. So I really, you know, learned the business, you know, working in this, you know, one group of people who, you know, I have great love for. Nice. Um, And then, you know, the the market changed. Mm -hmm. Um, You probably recall the 2008 to 2010 uh, housing downturn. So at that point, I went to work for our local bank 
because that seemed like a sort of a safe move mm -hmm. given what was happening in the larger economy. And what I learned about le working in a local bank is that local bank lending is very different than the type of lending I sort of was raised in the industry mm -hmm, of and mm -hmm. was not my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. My cup of tea is, um, as you know, sort of the like, let's go out and build, you know, bold ideas. More of an Earl Grey as opposed to a chamomile. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. Let's build some bold ideas. Let's take some risks. Let's figure out how to work within the guidelines. And let's serve people well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what I found is I needed product. I needed programs. I needed all of these tools. Um, and so, you know, I went and, you know, sought out a new employment. And at that point, when I was seeking new employment, I was really looking for fit. I was looking for culture. I hear that, yeah. You know, yep. and I am so grateful to the friends in my life. You know, one is a real estate professional who introduced me to a lender who worked for an organization who said she was so happy with her work. I'm like, well, nobody says that. Right. She's like, no, I'm consistently so very happy. Um, and so I must have met with her four or five times, you know, two and three hour meetings. And I asked her every question under the sun, every scenario, every this, every that. I was invited to go to trainings before I became an employee and really get a sense of the company culture. Oh, I like that. And I knew yeah, yeah. that you I were had confident. found my people. Yep. And I that's found nice my people. that you had that opportunity. Yeah. It's uncommon. That's kind of, I was going to say that's rare. It's uncommon. Yeah. So that was RMS Residential Mortgage Services. Oh, right. Based out of South Portland, Maine. And yep. then RMS last year got purchased by Gilt. Yeah. And of course, anytime you have a corporate merger acquisition, you're going to be anxious, nail biting. Yeah. What's this going to look like? And of course, like any merger, you know, there's software transitions and all of these things, which were challenging, of course, especially since they were trying to onboard 900 people all mm -hmm. at once. Mm -hmm. Um. But we're very much on the other side of that. I mean, it feels is, like that. It's been 13 months at this point since yeah. that transition. And um, it's worked out really well. Yeah, and you have this really lovely sense of calm about you. Mm -hmm. I do. I feel yeah. good. It's I'm, different. I'm happy where mm -hmm. I am. It's different than it was prior. Yeah. I feel, just FYI. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That feels like a compliment. It is a compliment. <laughs> um, what is it that, um, what would you like the world to know about you that you think perhaps they don't know about your work or about yeah. Kate? Your yeah, I think it's the drive. It's the can-do spirit. You know, I have people who I'm working with now who keep saying, you're unlike any lender I've spoken to, yeah. you know, because there really is a service piece of this. You know, at one point in my life, I thought I wanted to be a social worker, and that's why I studied social policy, and that's I why I studied that. urban studies. I thought I wanted to be a social worker. As a young person, though, I failed to connect the dots of what a social worker's salary looks like mm. and what real life expenses look like. Mm -hmm. And I realized very quickly I couldn't live on a social worker's salary mm -hmm. and pay my student loans mm -hmm. and, you know, have a car mm -hmm. and an apartment. I could basically pick two. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew I couldn't get along with picking two. Mm -hmm. um, and so I guess what I want people to know is that I'm a fierce adv advocate for my clients and I am delighted to work with people who need a little extra help or a little bit extra support or just aren't quite sure how to put it together because I can help them figure mm -hmm. that out. 
you know, whether that's something as simple as an intrafamilial purchase, you know, where one relative sells to another relative and we want to gift some equity for the down payment, or whether that's, you know, a multi-generational family purchase where you have several people who are going to live in the home together and we don't know quite how to structure, you know, the applicants and the income and those things. Um, you know, whether it's the person who says, you know, I'm self-employed and I went to my bank or another lending institution and they told me no. Mm. And I'll, I'll say, you know, please show me your tax returns. Let's figure out how we mm -hmm. can make this happen. You know, I think about somebody who I helped a year or so ago who ran a courier service mm. and the bank looked at her bottom line, but they didn't look at the fact that you can add back in depreciation and she wrote off a lot of depreciation on her vehicle mm -hmm. because she ran a courier service. Mm -hmm. So when you add back in that information, all of a sudden I could qualify her for the home that she wanted. Mm -hmm. And she came on her closing day, after her closing, she came to me with champagne and flowers. Oh, isn't that lovely? Yes. And she calls me every year on the anniversary of her closing. Oh, that's lovely, to tell, too. give me the update and to say thank you no, again. that's very lovely. And so those are the folks who really, really right. make my job worth doing, right. you know? I might add to the yeah. another word. You, you mentioned um, fierce advocate. I would mm -hmm. also add loyal. Yes. To yes. that mix? Yes. The next time you're asked that question? Loyal to a fault sometimes, yes. Well, like I'll stick with things that other people would say, well, maybe now's the time to say no. And I'll say, no, right. no, no. This is where we have to really persevere. Yep. Persevere. Yeah, I would add loyal. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, let's see. What is, getting back to COVID, what is one of the biggest insights that you got, whether it's business or personal? After that experience, I think that for me, for COVID, the takeaway was really about the things that are most important to you. Mm -hmm. You know, the things that you value most. Mm -hmm. um, Did you get any insight as to what those were? Yeah. Well, I mean, you you prioritize. Mm. You know, when you feel like you can't go out into the world and it's not safe to do. Mm. Um, what is important to you? And for me, it's my children. Mm. It's my home. Mm -hmm. It's my closest friends. It's my immediate family. Mm -hmm. um, and to keep my people safe and well mm -hmm. and tight and um, connected, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, the idea of not being able to see people that I see sort of in more casual settings was tough and still is tough. Mm. And I'm still so grateful for the time that we have to get back together again. Mm -hmm. um, but I think COVID kind of changed my focus and, mm. and made it sort of less outbound and a little bit more mm -hmm. in. I can sense that from you, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. Um, let's see. What's up? What's next for you? What's up? What's 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 in the shoot for you next? What's in the shoot for me is to keep growing the business. You mm. know, I mean, I I love what I do. I think that comes out, you know, in mm -hmm. the work that I do and the mm -hmm. conversation that we have along along the lines of the work. Um, you know, to keep keep building the network, um, keep serving people well. Keep mm -hmm. serving my community well, mm -hmm. um, and to really keep having fun with my kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we now they're getting older too, and getting, more and more fun. Yeah, it's just in different ways, mm -hmm. you know, and to just keep evolving. Um, this week, my son is actually taller than I am. <gasps> All right, I just can't even comprehend that. I know. I mean, I knew this day was coming. I just didn't know it would be this soon. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a seventh grader. Um, but yes, he has eclipsed me in height at this point. So that's crazy. Um, 
you know, and, you know, my daughter is learning to swim and, you know, she is... The little one. Yes. Well, she was the little one, mm. you know, and, and now she's not. She's a mm. kindergartner mm-hmm. and she is uh, a big personality. <laughs> she is a big personality. Good. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're trying to have as much fun as we can and, you know, all in, you know, in different ways, you know, whether that means, you know, spending time as we have a dear friend who, you know, has horses. And so whether that means going off and riding horses with our dear friend or whether that means, you know, visiting with, with folks, you know, near and far, relatives, et cetera, whether that means sort of taking off and, and uh, experiencing, you know, travel. Right. Um, my kids are great travelers at this point. Nice. Because that's been very much part of their lives. Yeah. Um, you know, having friends and hosting friends at our house, you know, it's just, it's kind of our, our small little world. Um, right. And sometimes we take it on the go. You know, one of the great things that we did this summer, which we've done a couple summers in a row, is renting a house at the Cape for a week, a big house where we can fit the extended family. Oh, nice. And having everybody get together. Yes. Um, and just, you know. But the those m- are the things that you remember when you're a kid when your cousins are running around yes. and you're running amok. And- yes. You know, doing things that your parents may not know that you're up to. Exactly. All that fun stuff. Yeah. You know, which you can later surprise your parents with as an yes. adult around the dinner right. table and say, oh, right. Remember that time that we told you that my little sister tripped and fell and broke right. her teeth? Right. Roller skating? That wasn't how that happened. Yeah, right. You know, and then to your parents' horror, they are, yeah. you know, grateful that you lived you right. know, some of those experiences. You know, but for this... this To go to college. Yeah. This Cape House, you know, one of the beautiful things was watching the little kids, um... Also with their older brothers. They have two older brothers who oh, are my right. stepsons. That's right. And so, you know, those kids came too. And so oh, wow. we've got kids who are 27, 24, right. 13, and 5. Hey, boy. Yeah. But they're playing together and they're splashing in the pool and we're eating ice cream and yeah. we're grilling on the grill. And there is nothing. All is well. Yeah, nothing that makes my heart feel more full oh, than that. Nice. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. So, okay, where can people find you? You can find that you so they you can help solve some of yes. these problems that they may have. Yes. Well, you can find me at two fifty one Northampton Street in East Hampton. Yeah. So right on Route Ten, I often joke that my front door is in East Hampton, <laughs> and the back exit is in Northampton because we literally sit on right. the town line. Right. Um, easiest way to reach me though is to call me or text me. Yep. Um, my phone number. Four one three three eight seven nine 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 nine. Wow! Hey, it's publicized. There so you go, well. out in the world. Yep, out in the world. You can also, if you Google Kate Reagan mortgage, I'll pop up. Okay. Kate, Google Kate Reagan guild mortgage, I'll pop up. Okay. Um, so, how can you find me? Yeah, call me. Text Excellent. Me. Say, hey, can we schedule a time to talk? I want to talk about mortgage financing, or I want to talk about big community involvement, or whatever it might nice. be. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yes. All right, my friend, thank you so much for taking the time and sitting pleasure. with me and chatting and helping us know you a little bit more. My pleasure. A little bit, a little deeper, what you do, yes. where you do it, why you do it. <laughs> well, thank you, Mo, for having me. This has been really enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a delight. It's one of our usual conversations, yeah. just with, you know, bright lights and microphones <laughs> instead of lunches. I know. And a big logo. Exactly. Um, exactly. Right. The only thing, the next time we'll have lunch shipped in sounds like a plan um and that's going to be it for us today i want to thank you all for joining us um i also want to thank once again e-media if you would like to know more about e-media or become a member you can do that at eeasthamptonmedia.org if you'd like to know more about the chamber you can do uh, the same you can look us up at eeasthamptonchamber.org i forgot for a moment um who i was (laughs) um and You can listen to uh, the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us on YouTube. 
uh, East Hampton Media's YouTube channel or the East Hampton Chambers YouTube channel. Make sure that you smash the like button, share, subscribe, share with your friends. And until we see you the next time, peace out, babies. (laughs) 